Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Tom Sibling. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Yeah. Well, welcome to everybody online. <clears throat> we are glad that you are tuning in. We're happy you're here. And all of you that are sitting here in front of me, thank you for being here. Um, let me just say, say I'm going to say a couple things. One is, um, this book right here, Wild at Heart, for all you men, one thing I'm learning in my journey with God is I need brotherhood. I find brotherhood um, a lot of times in my hunting. Um, yesterday, I stood in a circle with somebody else's father-in-law, a young man that Scott Barnhart had brought, 16-year-old. We prayed together. I don't know where they are in their journey with God, but I find brotherhood in that. Standing in a circle in the dark, getting ready to go into a dark woods and praying with some men. This story of John Eldridge, if you do not know this story of how he even started this ministry, you need to be a part of this. Because I've found that, you know, I've been five, five, usually five out of seven days I'm praying with a young man that was in my youth ministry back uh, at Christ Community Days. Um, we pray together. And it's, it's a great brotherhood to have somebody to stand in prayer with. But I would encourage you, relationship is where the kingdom is built. Coming together as men and tackling this would be an amazing thing. And I know this man. I, I have gotten to appreciate Chris Dupre over the last two and a half years, almost three now that I've gotten to work with him, the, the gentleness, the kindness, the love, the wisdom that this man carries. I couldn't think of why you would not want to come Tuesday night at 630. So I welcome all you men. Um, I just wanted to say this. This is on my heart. Um, my wife, hi, come here, stand right here. <laughs> Listen, 46 years, right? 46, 46. You, you know, you know, what's so funny is, um, I was putting on something on social media while we were eating breakfast and she tried to lean over. I said, no, 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 no. And I was hiding it. And um, I just was giving her accolades. But how many know it's one thing to post it on social media? It, it doesn't tell you about the battles. It doesn't tell you about the grievances. We, we've only had a couple. But here we are, still in covenant, still loving one another. This woman has been so gracious through the battles of even the last year, two years, she is a woman of God. I promise you that in this case, it is especially true behind every man is a greater woman. Right here. Give it up for Cindy, Cindy, Cindy. My maiden name. I knew, I knew when God hand-delivered her to my house, this is true, from Ohio to Pennsylvania, she stayed at my home um, not knowing that what was going to happen in the future, but she was in a singing group we just happened to host. Before Amazon was Amazon, God hand-delivered my wife to me. I did not make an order. God made the order for me. He said, you need this woman in your life. And I can say amen, amen, and amen that she has been a saint to put up with 
Well, if you want to know all of it, just talk to her. She'll give you the backstory and behind the curtain. Come on, married people. Behind the curtain of married life. Come on, look at your spouse. If you're sitting with your spouse, look at your spouse and go, oh, behind that curtain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one last thing I wanted to do before I preach. Yeah, we're good. Um, is um, say, Rob. Where's Rob? Rob, raise your hand. There you are, Rob. I love you. You are love, my brother. I love you. I love you. I love seeing that picture of you on Soch, too, when you went to Iraq and served our nation. Yeah, let's go, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. I just felt like God wanted me to tell a couple people, three people, that they're loved. Joe, I love you. I don't really know you, but I know you. I, I know you sit there. And uh, I know I've prayed for you. And I just want you to know you're loved, man. You're seen and loved. And I, I've said that to you before. Avery Nielsen, I don't know where you are, Avery, but you are loved. I loved watching you worship Jesus right here in the middle. Avery Nielsen is loved by the Father. So reach. Here we are, right? Reach. Everybody go like this. Reach. I want to I say there were a couple people up here. Um, Dan Wagner, Wendy, you guys with what you do with Spring Grove High School. Thank you and thank you and thank you. There's young people being touched, families, because we gave, you know, to the food that they need for those underprivileged families. Kelly, thank you. Single women and what they're going through. Um, man, you're, you're needed probably now more than ever magnified in this hour. Thank you for all you're doing to love women uh, in a very practical but in a very spiritual way. Um, we have some wonderful, wonderful missionaries in this church. Cindy and I were honored to be missionaries for five years in South Africa. But I kind of feel this way, right? Like we, we throw the term missionary around like they're super spiritual, super hyper um, otherworldly kind of people, but they're just normal. Right, and I think all of us wake up. I want to read Matthew 28. You can turn there, verse 19 and 20, because I think it helps describe as we put our hands out the reach. And, and what I want you to know this morning is as I, as I stood and I sang, especially the last two songs, I leaned over to Nathan. I said, these are, these are Providence theme songs right here. Um, it's really all about Jesus Christ. We just happen to be the vessel that he can work through to touch other people. And, and here is what he left us before he went to his father. Um, verse 8, let's start verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Can I just say that's a command for every person sitting in this room that calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ. That is, this is our co-mission with him to do what he has called us to do. I mean, in the, in the broader term of missionary, we are all missionaries, right? Because I think going, going and making disciples has got to be on a relational level. 
It can't end at a program. It can't end at a service. It's got to get down into the relational level. And Jesus Christ is the one that set that great example, right? He took 12 young men. He poured into them. And then he commissions them, hey, go and make disciples. You know, I was, I was gosh, I was in a tree yesterday morning at dark. And it still is my absolute favorite time to be in the woods because I, I looked up and, and, and the stars are brightly shining. And I, I can't help but have some of my most worshipful moments in the blackness of the woods with the stars shining and the moon and, and thinking about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about my life, Chris, I would say we're probably doing this right now, right? Fourth quarter. Come on, if you got gray hair and you're in the fourth quarter, do this with me. Come on, come on, help me. Come on. Some of you are like, I got gray hair, but I'm not in the fourth quarter. Leave me alone. Don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was getting gray when I was 22 years old. I, my nickname on the outdoor basketball court in Lakeland, Florida, where I went to university, was Grecian. That is the absolute truth. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm only 22 years old, and they're calling me. Uh, gray hair is a crown of glory. Let's go. Come on. Come on, all you gray heads. Let's go. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. So I thought about this. I thought about reach. And it's been one of the greatest journeys of my life is to be able to reach but you know what? I thought about Shippensburg University. While I was still a sinner, Jesus Christ reached down to me and pulled me out of that muck and mire. Let me tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed every sinful thing at university for that first year, so much so they uninvited me for my sophomore year and said, hmm. Yeah, you flunked out. You did good. Way to go. And as God rescued me and pulled me out, listen, anything to do with reach, I can't reach unless I've first been reached by the love and the apprehension of the love of Jesus Christ. All I can tell you is that whatever 2019, when Jesus came down and rescued me out of my own sin, I can tell you from that day forward, have I been perfect? Oh, no, 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 no. But I understand the righteousness of God who puts me in a place that where my sin, he says, I'm going to take that sin. I'm going to cover grace greater than that sin, and I'm going to keep walking and using you out of your imperfection because I'm righteous through you. See, that's the key to being a missionary and to reaching out is that we have apprehended the grace of a loving heavenly father and we are willing to give that grace. Listen, today, I, I just feel this way. I'm like, but, but we're in a church. We're all sitting here. And, I, and honestly, as I was singing, I was like, and praying in the back, I was like, but God, who needs to be reached down and rescued today by your love that's going to be sitting in this room. 
Because some of us come to church because we're so in love with Jesus Christ, we just want to be here with other believers to worship him. And yet I know there's some sitting in this room this morning that go, you know what, I'm here because I need some help. I'm here because I need rescued. I'm here because I need somebody to reach down, grab a hold of me, and pull me up. And I can tell you that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's exactly who should be glorified. That's exactly whose name we should lift up. That's exactly whose name should be on that wall. Jesus is my first love. And from that moment that he rescued me, what a wild journey, huh, Cindy? What a wild, wild journey. From the moment that I said, yes, Lord, I will lay my life down. I will go to Southeastern University. I will study the Bible, and I will go touch a generation for the most of the rest of my life. Well, probably all of my life. It just is in me. Because he rescued me. He reached down first to me. If you feel like you're unreachable, I, unreachable, I want to give you hope today. Jesus is reaching down to you. I don't care what you're going through. If it's marriage, if it's personal, if it's depression, if it's anxiety, if it's sickness, I don't care what it is. Jesus is reaching down and saying, come on, I got you. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to draw you in. Because, see, before that experience happens in all of our lives sitting in this room, we have nothing to let live through us. If we haven't first been apprehended by him reaching and loving us unconditionally, then what can we let flow through us? So we're called to go make disciples to all the nations. Cindy and I left for Bible college. University, seminary, whatever you want to call it. We loaded up a U-Haul with another married couple, which I think I've shared with you before. We showed up. We had no place to live, and we had no jobs. Some would sit in this room and go, you're a fool. No, I was in love with the one who rescued me. I said, Lord, whatever, I trust you. It was the first grand step of faith that Cindy and I had ever taken in our life. We showed up, Lakeland, Florida, no job, no place to live, crowded in a living room in a space with another married couple at the university there, boxes to the ceiling, lawn chair for furniture, lawn chair for furniture. But we were there to prepare to give our lives away for the rest of our life because we wanted to reach people. But you see, my call is no different than your call. Because I believe this with all my heart. There will be some of us that will stand on a platform like this. There will be some of us that are known by others, how many ever others. But there will be the unknown that sit here that when we get to heaven, you'll be recognized. You're unseen now, but oh, you will be seen and I started to think about we get prepared, we're in, we're in university, we get out, and I'm thinking God's going to have a job for me. I'm going to go do ministry, and my ministry for the next six months was cooking in the southeastern cafeteria. 
Because you know what he needs before he uses you? He needs a servant. He needs to train you in serving other people. And I, I remember graduating and thinking, wow, throwing my cap up in the air, thinking, ministry, here we go. Oh, wait, ministry is cooking in the southeastern cafeteria because, see, some of you are faithfully serving, but nobody sees. Because you're faithful, because God has reached down and touched you, you're reaching out one by one by one by one, and you're touching others, you're touching others, you're touching others, and you're making a difference, but maybe not celebrated. Maybe nobody has got the fanfare and the confetti out and blowing the trumpet for you, but my dad sees you. My dad sees you. See, I believe I've been around here long enough that I know, I know there's those that God is moving through. He's moving through. He's rescued you, and he's moving through you to touch other lives. In fact, I stood over there this morning while I was worshiping, and I thought, oh, my goodness, God. We have gone to Asia. We have gone to Europe. We've gone to Africa. We've gone to South America. We've been across, back and forth, across this country of America for seven years, preaching and teaching and I thought, God, what would it be like all of those that I have reached with the sound of my voice or just a smile or just a sermon or whatever, if, Cindy, we piled them all over to our house when we get to heaven, what would it look like? It would be international. It would be multilingual. It would be every tribe, every nation, from every continent except Antarctica. They would be welcome to our home, but we've had the opportunity to touch the lives of other people. Why? Because we simply were yielded to him because he rescued me. He pulled me out of my muck, my mire, my sin, my strongholds, my shortcomings. And he said, Tom Sipling, I want to use you, the imperfect one that you are. I want to move through you, not because of who you are, not because of your gifts, but because of the righteousness that you have obtained because of the cross and the resurrection. Now I can move through you the vessel. That's available to every person sitting in this room. But see, the, the, the first thing that I want to offer you this morning is God has got to reach down into your life and rescue you. And when you begin to be set free from your depression, your anxiety, your pornography, whatever it is that's so holding you back from God moving through you, I want to promise you that every person under the sound of my voice today, Jesus is standing here just like this right here. He's saying, I want to rescue you. I want to, I want to reach you. I want to pull you in. Because what does he want to do? He wants to use your vessel. And he wants to move through you. I want you to look at this, Matthew 9, 36. Look at this with me. Because when that exchange happens, this is how we begin to see with spiritual eyes. Matthew 9, 36. This is Jesus. Let me back up. Let's just go to 35 real quick. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. 
And then we know the next verse, that the harvest is plentiful, it's ripe, but the workers are few. You see, when God rescues you, when he reaches down and he pulls you out, he invites you to the narrow road. Not that I get to keep doing the same things I've always done road. He calls you to the narrow road. Why does he call you to the narrow road? Because he loves you. He loves you. He knows that blessing comes from living a life in front of him and for him, at being consumed by the love of Jesus so that you can let that same love pour out to other people. I've got, I feel like I've got a movie going on in my head. And I'm thinking about the homeless guy in Arizona. And I'm thinking about the guy that was sitting by himself, Cindy, when we went to do that marriage retreat that we paid for his dinner. I'm thinking about the 300,000 young adults standing at the mall in Washington, D.C. when we launched the 30-second kneel down that went around the world. And I'm like, but God, I'm just a vessel. He said, I know, Tom, but you're yielded. You've been rescued. I want to use you. Don't see yourself less than what I've created you to be. And I think a lot of us sit in this room and they go, well, God, I can't do that. No, 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 no. When you walk through the, the marketplace, how do you see people? How do you see them? You see, I think, oh, gosh, I'm going to say this. I hope this comes out right. Nathan, forgive me if it doesn't. We've been good at being political. We've been good at holding banners. But we haven't been real good at understanding how they got there. You see, there's a lot we could say, right? A lot we could say about what's going on in the world today. But, you know, every time I see a person that obviously I may not agree with their view, their worldview especially, I ask myself this question, God, where did they start and how did they get to here? Because in that journey somewhere is the pain of a life that the enemy has been just working overtime to steal, to kill, destroy, to steal, to kill, to destroy. And there is not one of us in this room that escapes that. Every day he's relentless. Let's see if I can destroy marriage. Let's, let's see if I can destroy their passion for Jesus Christ. Let's see if I can get them to think it's more about serving than it is intimacy. Let me see what I can do to just come after them and render them ineffective. You see, if we don't start with, and oh, man, listen, my life has all kinds of ebbs and flows. I'm a passionate guy by personality, if you didn't know that. And, and I'm here but I can live here and somewhere in between. But I can tell you this, my greatest desire since Jesus reached down and rescued me is to reach other people, but not before I've sat with him. You see, I can't, I can't reach people with the love of Jesus. I can't even see them like Matthew 9, 36, as harassed and helpless when, when I walk through certain places, I, I honestly, I can't help but get a tear. I was weeping over here while we were worshiping, thinking about people that are harassed and helpless that don't know him. And I think, God, is that what moves our hearts? Is that when we get up out of our seats and we walk out into this world, is that what apprehends me? Is it because the love of Jesus Christ and knowing him 
gets me to see these people the way my father sees them so that I can love them like he loves them. Not because I'm perfect, because I'm righteous. Because I'm righteous. Why am I righteous? Because of him. And so I get to go love people, love people, love people. But I can tell you uh, uh, there's a rhythm I find in my life. It's the back dock. It's the prayer room if it's too cold or it's raining. And it's that rhythm of trying to find and sit with him and then go make him known to people to love them. Whether believer or unbeliever and harassed and helpless person, listen, this church ought to be a church that reaches. Do we? Sure we do. Sure we do. We just saw all the missionaries that stood up here and some that aren't here that are off into the nations making disciples. But I also want to celebrate those that God has reached down to you and he's rescued you. But please, 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 some of us sit and we're defeated and we don't reach out to others because we ourselves don't feel worthy. When you don't know that you're a son or a daughter of a loving heavenly father, you can begin to lose the battle. You got to know who you are. The knowing who you are is in the intimate place. It's in the alone place with Jesus Christ. It's sitting with him because then when I go, oh gosh, we're of Thailand, Cambodia, live in South Africa for five years and a woman I've shared this story, murdered across the street the second week we're there, and it's like a wake-up call to, oh, you're on the mission field. And you walk and you live your life. What's that song? Only those things for Christ will last. Boy, there's a lot of things we do with our lives, Right? But someday we're going to stand in front of him. He's going to say, here's what he's going to ask you, do you know me? And we're either going to say, yes, I know you, Jesus, or no, I don't. And then he's going to smile if you say you know him, and he's going to say, thank you for touching all those that you touched. I saw who you reached. I, I, I saw when you paid for that meal. I saw when you gave to that missionary. I saw when you loved that person. I saw when you prayed for the sick and they recovered. I saw you. Having compassion like I did because, listen, he gave us the command to go make disciples of all nations. I don't know where he'll send you. He may not send you to every continent like he has Cindy and I, but I can tell you this, whatever he sends you to, however many times you've moved, every place of circle of influence you have, you have the opportunity to see people as harassed and helpless and love them and care for them and treasure, treasure them. Turn to uh, Matthew 10, 1 because we, we, well, it's right there, right? We, we really couldn't do any of this without Jesus' words here to his disciples. Jesus called his 12 disciples. Let's just interpret that. Jesus called all of his disciples. Here we are, those of us that are followers of Christ. And he gave, he gave to them authority to do what? To drive out, hmm, to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. 
Somebody said this this last week, I think, and, and it's something I knew, but, man, it really made an impression on me. They said, you know, before we're anything else, we're a spiritual being that happens to be living in a tent. So many of us view life as I'm in a, I'm in a natural tent and I'm going to go be spiritual because heaven's my goal. And I want to tell you that you're already a spiritual being. You just happen to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit, our tent. And then God says, look, I've given you authority. And here we are. And, and can I tell you this? Listen, if I said to somebody I don't know in this room, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars, the first thing you would do is probably ask somebody that knows me, does he have a million dollars? And they would say, well, no, no, he doesn't. I mean, just go to Cindy. No, 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 no millionaire. No, uh-uh. Not even hundreds of thousands. No, no. Because here, here's what God's been showing me this week. The deeper I know him, the more authority I can walk in. You see, if I don't know the one who made the promise, here it is, right? I give you authority to heal the sick to raise the dead, to cast out demons. If I don't know him, how many know that's hard to grasp? I, I, I'm, I look in the mirror like, God, I see what you said. And when I sit in those dark woods, I go, God, do I, how, how deeply do I know you? Because the things you tell me seem farther than where I am in knowing you. But if I know him, if I know him, if I know him, it takes, hmm, Derek, takes childlike faith. Because it makes no sense. It's incomprehensible in the carnal mind, but we've not been given carnal minds if we choose to have the mind of Christ sitting on us. Carnal is not necessarily sinful, it's just natural. The mind of Christ sees Jesus and knows who he is and can pray for the sick and see them recover. And so then I ask myself the question, how have we gotten so far from what I read about? You see, I would love if every Sunday morning people were get, coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would love if every Sunday morning the sick were being made well. I would love if every Sunday morning we'd see the power demonstrated because we know him. We know who he is. See, we've got some reaching to do, folks. You say, Tom, well, good luck with that. No, 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 come join me. Come be a part. Because you have people you can touch that I can't. I don't know them. They hate hunting. They don't like killing deer. Some of my best relationships were with men that I've hunted with. That I've been able to be an example of Jesus to. Who have you reached? Think about this. In your lifetime yet, how many will you reach? How many will you make a difference to? See, here's, here's something interesting about Job, if you remember that story, all that he's going through. 
You know what he did while he's going through all that? He went and prayed for other people. You see, while you're having your pity party and you're living in your whatever it is, and you're consumed by it, the freedom is coming when you just step out and touch somebody. Well, Tom, that's hard to do. I get it. I get it. I haven't every season of my life felt like going and praying for somebody, but I can tell you this, sometimes I do it when I don't feel like it because I know who I am in Christ. I know who God has made me to be. So you're sitting here in this room today, and the question is twofold. Do, do, do we need to reach down and rescue you? I'm here. I'm here. But most importantly, Jesus is here. Jesus is standing here with his hand like this saying, I want to rescue you. I put you in this service for that very reason, for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or some of you that go to church week after week, God's saying, but you're backsliding. You're living in sin. I want to rescue you. Today's your day. Be rescued. Don't continue to live in that muck and mire. Go, find me. I'm waiting for you. My grace will fulfill everything that you ever need because it will go deeper than any sin you've ever committed. Thank God for the woman who committed adultery and people wanted to pick that stone up and Jesus goes, you without sin cast the first stone. And he looks around and says, where are your accusers? I don't care what you've done or where you've been. My first question to you would be, where are your accusers? And any of you with stones in your hand, then I don't know what I'll write in the dust. I don't know what Jesus wrote in the dirt but I think it's probably going to be grace's waiting. Because when you are restored, when you understand who you are in Christ, the reaching begins. The reaching begins. We don't get intimidated. We don't, we don't operate in a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And we start to love people like they are harassed and they are helpless. And we do touch a Gen Z and a Gen A because we see what's happening. We're not, we're not blind. There's some rescuing that needs to be done. There's some reaching that needs to take place. There's some loving that needs to happen. Hmm. Look at Luke 4, and I'm going to end with this. Luke chapter 4, because this is available to you. This is, this is Jesus. Verse number 1, Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Jump down to verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. 
That's you. That's you. That's your commission. If we were going to have a commissioning service today, I would say, let's all just line up. Let's be prayed over, and then let's go. Let's go start reaching. Let's, let's, let's go start loving. Let's see people as harassed and helpless, needing a father who died on the cross for them, was risen again the third day, and today sits at the right hand of the Father, and here we are at Jesus Church. I said this a few weeks ago. It should never be that what happens in the prayer room stays in the prayer room. Providence Community Church is not Las Vegas. What happens in the prayer room ought to go outside the prayer room. And it ought to go to people because we see them as harassed and helpless, and we can't help but put our hand out and say, come on, man, I want to I reach out. I want to love you. Come on. I got you. That's to fellow believers in the body. We walk with each other. We love one another. We pray for one another. We carry one another's burdens. We forgive one another. And where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. And then we go reach, we go reach, we go reach, we go reach because he first reached me. And now I go reach them. Close your eyes with me a minute, will you? You are not here by accident today. You are here on purpose. The Father invited you to come sit among us to hear this word that, that he might reach down to you. And I would simply say this. I would be honored to reach down and to pray for you. Because I, I pray that like me, being rescued as a university student, giving my life to Jesus Christ, that the rest of your life, no, how many, no matter how many valleys and hills you climb or fall into, that for the rest of your days, you just want to reach people. You want to love them. You want to pray for them. You want to believe in them. Even when you have those moments where it's not all that in a, in, in a bag of chips, so to speak. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I certainly want to give that invitation. But if you're here this morning and you say, Tom, I've been living a lifestyle of sin while calling myself a Christian. That's called backslidden. And God's still here to rescue you. He's reaching out to you. He loves you. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And I believe that your destined moment is right now, right now, right now. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he always will love you, because God is love. It's the nature of who he is. He cannot not love you no matter where you are. The most spiritual, the most furthest away, he loves you. I would love if you collided into the love of Jesus Christ. And you said, you know what? Yeah, I'd like somebody to pray for me. I'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'd love to get out of the broken place, the lifestyle of sin that I'm living I know him, but I know I need to break the curse and the strongholds that are in my life.
Hmm. Can I get, I'm just going to get crazy. Keep your eyes, I'm going to do something crazy. The Bible says this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. In a place like this where the love of Jesus Christ reigns and lives in the, in the body, you can be assured that when you stand up in a moment, that you're in a place to be loved, not to be criticized or judged. But, you know, I, th- I think we need to start giving more people an opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you. On a Sunday morning, in the house of God. Because, you know, my great hope is, I-, I believe, I believe this, I believe this. Somebody's going to stand up in a moment. And they're going to walk it out. And you may find yourself on the mission field in the days ahead. You may find yourself at university. You may, you may just find yourself a faithful follower of Jesus at your workplace. And people start to go, what happened to you? What happened to you? Sunday morning, I just decided it's Jesus or nothing. I'm walking with him. And so I'm going to invite you, if you are here and you know you need a personal relationship with Jesus and you need to lay down your life, This is the moment. Or if you're here and you know you're not living where you want to be and you feel a bit like a fraud, I just want to say Jesus welcomes you home. He wants you back. And here's the bold part. I'm going to have you stand in a moment. Because when we confess him before those that love us in the body, he says, then I will confess you before my father. That's a, good, that's a good promise, man. That's a good promise. And so Jesus, I just see him in my spirit reaching his hand out right here at this altar saying, come on. I, I want to reach down. I want to rescue you like I did Tom. While you're yet a sinner, my grace, my love will go deeper than all that. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to count to three and when I do. I just simply want you to stand up all around this room. Are you ready? One, two, three. Stand up right where you're at. Come on. Come on. Come on, look at that. Come on. Come on, come stand with me. I want to shake your hand. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, come in front. Come on. Come on. Come on, guys. I know you're in the back. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, come on, over here on my right. Come on, your left. Come on. Come on. Come on, can I have the pastors come? Just come on. Just stand behind these people. Come on. Prayer team people, come on. Elders, come on. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.